You're listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10, where we are creating a culture of healthy sexuality through courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics like pornography and sexuality. We are your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Karina Orm, and today we are Breaking the Silence. Welcome to Breaking the Silence with Reach 10. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Rachel Denton, and we will be breaking the silence together on what healthy sexuality is and why it's important. So, Rachel, I am so happy to have you on the podcast with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, we we look forward to having you, A, because Creed and I are both friends with you. I, I don't even remember how many years ago it was that we met at a Reach 10 thing. It was at least three years ago. Yeah, I think it's been about two or three years for mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We yeah. worked together in Reach 10, so had some fun times. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about Reach 10 is it really brings uh, young adults in the community together that are wanting to make a difference. Yeah, like-minded souls. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that about Reach 10. Um, but you're involved with a lot of different organizations and projects and and roles even in this issue. Help us understand some of those different roles that you've had and, yeah, a little bit more about that. Sure. So, um so for right now, I just graduated my master's degree in social work in Way May. To go. So super exciting! Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I graduated in May, and now I work as a clinical social worker. Um, so I work as a therapist at an agency called LifeStar, which is uh, based out of Salt Lake City, and they we work with young or a lot of young adults, but also people of all ages struggling with pornography. So that's that's uh, the work that I do. I also work for Fight the New Drug, which has been a really cool opportunity. Um, and then I've had a lot of passion projects on the side. Um, some of them have been successful and some of them have not. But, I mean, what's cool is you guys have seen a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> and um, seen how they've gone. So Yeah, it's um, really cool to have seen your desire and passion to talk about these subjects, be very involved and be an advocate for healthy sexuality. I think that's why we really wanted to bring you onto the podcast mm. is to really just hear about your experiences being involved in all these different ways. Because yeah. I feel like when I started getting into this discussion that you were already there like way in advance. Mm. And I kind of looked at you in this kind of idolized way. Like, oh, I want to be like Rachel. When I oh. <laughs> because you, you've just been so good at talking about these things for a long time and just been have, a, have been a great support to, to these topics. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think for me, as I realized, there was a period of time where I was waiting to find groups and waiting to find organizations and experiences that were going to come to me. But because of the nature of pornography, they really don't exist. And so, I, I don't know. There was this point where I realized if there wa- if there's going to be, something has to change. And it's not likely that organizations are going to change or people are going to change. So I have to be the one that changes. And to do that, I need to start, I need to find, um, I need to find what I'm passionate about when it comes to this particular issue and, and be the change. So I think it, it was a lot of taking my own initiative and yeah. yeah. So Rachel, tell us a little bit about how you really started to begin 
within this discussion, Mm -hmm. um, advocating against pornography, advocating for a healthy sexuality. What drew you to want to do that? And why have you been involved ever since? Yeah, so um, I, I grew up in, in Portland, Oregon, and I grew up in a family with the, my mom was, my mom's a sex therapist. And so sex was talked about often in my home. And I remember being a young adult and this was part of our normal conversations. We would talk about pornography, masturbation, sex all often. And, um, so I, I don't think I knew that it was something that you don't talk about until I came here to school at BYU and, um, I remember when my first semesters, I was um, I was with my roommates, and I had read a, some article about pornography, and I wanted to share it with them. So I pulled it out and was like, "Look at I look what I was reading." And there was the best way to describe it was like this like inhale, and then everyone was holding their breath, like no one no one wanted to breathe, <laughs> and and I and I felt like that same that same like tension too, and I was like, "Oh, maybe uh, maybe that's something that we don't." we don't talk about. Um, so that was kind of a, that was probably a, really weird. For yeah. You, like growing yeah. Up, feeling comfortable talking about these things. And now you're among all these people that don't seem to be able to talk about it. Yeah. And so as I would, as I would talk about it, you know, I would, I would talk about it in my friend groups or, um, up at school. And I always had the same reaction where people were just, um, it was like this dilemma of wanting to talk about it, but not wanting to expose themselves. Mm-hmm. And so not wanting to expose the fact that it probably is part of their lives and something that they're struggling with, but, but desperately wanting to talk about it at the same time. And I could feel that dilemma. And so I, I, I know I, I wanted to find a way to create space to have a conversation about, about pornography. So, um, I, I think that's how I got involved. I just, um, I realized that I needed to be the one to create that space because no one else was. <laughs> what did you start with? How did you start that process? Um, you know, I, I think I think there was a point where I just Googled anti-pornography groups in Utah. And um, that's when I found Utah Coalition Against Pornography, which is how I got in contact with Fauna. And... Um, and she was the one that really helped me. And I think I remember that in the early days of meeting Vana, um, there was a point where she and I were having a conversation about pornography and how, especially with young adults, it's something that we don't talk about. But there are a lot of young adults who are wanting to get involved in this issue. And I think that that's where Reach 10 was, the idea for Reach 10 kind of came to be because she was talking about wanting to start a group that... Um, where young adults could be a part of. So, I, I, and then it just kind of snowballed from there and I got more involved and uh, and then I started to, or I decided to go to grad school and here I am. Very I cool. love that. I yeah. love, I love your, your willingness to, to, to have the conversation. Mm. Um, I, I can definitely relate to, to that, like the, the holding your breath or you bring it up and no one knows what to say or yeah. the fear. I was that way for a long that. time. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's something like from the first time I met you, like I, your courage to just, Oh, let's talk about it mm-hmm. and hold that space for people. I think is so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. So what have you figured out as far as like healthy sexuality? Mm. What does that mean to you? 
Yeah. So the interesting thing about pornography is um, I think I spent a lot of time focusing most of my energy on pornography and this is something we need to look at and um, what can we do to to stop this issue. But there came a point where I realized, so pornography is actually not the problem. It is definitely just a symptom of something much larger. And I really, and personally, I really believe that it's, it's um, a misunderstanding of our sexuality. And, um, I just want to shout amen from the rooftops. (laughs) I think you, you summarize that so well. Um, and I agree. Like, I feel like that was a really big focus for me for so Mm -hmm. long is like, like pornography is the problem. Pornography is the core issue, and and really, like no, it's yeah. so much more than that. So, amen. Well, they, well, yeah, and I I think most people just really struggle understanding how to um, understand and express their sexuality in a healthy way. And the fact that we are all sexual beings is a fact. The fact that it's also a fact that we all need to express that sexuality, just like we need to express the fact that we're emotional beings, or that we're you know we have. Um, or that we're cognitive beings or physical beings. We also are sexual beings. And so how can I express that in a healthy way? And um, so what's been interesting and surprising to me as the deeper I've gotten into this issue, the farther I've stepped back from it, if that makes sense. It's, it's been a lot of the work that I do with my clients who are struggling with pornography is actually healthy sexuality work. And I find that as we're working through healthy sexuality and how to understand it and to express it as a whole, um, that pornography use tends to de- decrease. And especially as we're addressing other issues like um, uh, uh, learning how to deal with negative emotions and everything that else that goes into pornography. But I think the healthy sexuality is a massively overlooked part of, of this issue with pornography. Um, one of the things I think is interesting is when it comes to healthy sexuality, Generally, no matter who you are, whether or not you grew up in a really religious community, um, most people either um, neglect or abuse their sexuality. I think Mm -hmm. most people fall into either of those camps. So um, abuse of sexuality is is going to be pornography. Pornography will fall into that that side, as well as... um, I don't know, like seeking attention in a sexual way or um, just, I mean, if you're choosing to have sex, just having sex with whoever because that's, it feels, it makes you feel better. So that would be an abuse of sexuality. Um, But I think just as unhealthy is a neglect, is being neglectful. And that's where a lot of people I think here in Utah fall under um, is well, we're just going to pretend like we're not sexual beings. I'm going to feel guilty if I feel aroused. And if I even think about sex, I have sinned. So that's going to be neglect. And I think both are equally as unhealthy. So what tends to happen is a lot of us are shoved into this neglectful space because of this culture that we live in. And then sometimes we break free to the abuse side. And then we swing back to the neglect. And it's just kind of this pendulum back and forth, back and forth. But there has to be this space of not being in either neglect or abuse, but just in this healthy space. So it's not about like viewing pornography or not being pornography. I think it's just about being in that space of where's the healthy sexuality. Yeah, I I really appreciate that analogy. I think think you summarized my life and my experience up so, so beautifully there. Um, of, of trying to balance that and, and where in the middle, how, how do we find that middle ground? Yeah. 
Do you have any insight on that? Uh, yeah, I think um, that that middle ground, I think, really is this space of intimacy. And I know that's what Creed had talked about before. But um, there's a lot of different... Um, there's a lot of different places and people to be intimate with. And I think the first thing is to be in a space where you love and trust and are okay with yourself. And once that happens, then you can extend that same intimate space that you have with yourself to other people. And sex, I think, is the way to express that fully. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. And I love that you started with, like first starts with me Mm -hmm. and my relationship with myself and the way that I view like myself Mm -hmm. um I I think that's so wise thank you so you said uh, sex is the way to express that fully right uh how do single people do that Mm -hmm. are you saying uh when we meet someone when we want to be close to them we Mm -hmm. need to have sex with them or are you saying uh like how do, how does a single person express themselves sexually in a healthy sure. way within the the bounds of their values? Yeah. So I think that we when we think of healthy sexuality our minds immediately go to sex. And sex I think is a very small piece of healthy sexuality. It's definitely a part of it, but it's it's a small piece. So if we're going to take a step back and look healthy sexuality, really what we're talking about is healthy intimacy. And Um, there are different types of intimacies that we all have and we all need different amounts. So there's, uh, there's emotional intimacy, there's physical intimacy, there's, uh, spiritual intimacy, there's even cognitive intimacy. And it's like, we all have, we all have cups of different sizes that we need for it to be full. So if I, um, if I'm someone that needs to to connect with someone on an emotional level, then I then and then I'll feel full. I probably have a higher cup that needs to be full for emotional intimacy. But maybe after I have a really intellectual conversation with someone, I don't feel much different. Then my cup is probably smaller for cognitive intimacy. If that makes sense. So um, it's just it's just learning how much of what intimacy you need, and and being able to fill that yourself or to be able to fill it with other people. So it doesn't have to be with someone of the opposite gender. I can express my sexuality with my sister. And by that, I mean, I can have a really emotionally um, intimate conversation with her and in a way that's me expressing my sexuality. And, And so when we're talking about sex, sex is expressing all of those at the same time. It's a very emotional and spiritual and cognitive and physical Uh, intimate thing that you can do so there are ways to express all of those individually but I think that if we were were expressing all of them at the same time with someone that's going to be sex would you say that we can always express those at different times in our lives for example those who aren't married yet or you know might not be able to express all those in a single moment through sex Mm -hmm. but can express uh themselves in intimate ways with other people obviously within their their values um and still have that fulfillment yeah right yeah you don't have to be married to be fulfilled 
Well, no. And I think a, I think a common mistake is we expect our partner to, f- to fill those for us. So this common idea is when I get married, I expect my spouse to fill all of my emotional needs, all my spiritual needs, all my physical needs, and all my cognitive needs. Well, that's not, I don't think any person can ever do that for, for, for you. So it's learning and being okay with getting those from yourself and from other people. Um, does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. I think that's really wise. And I, I think it's such a, a idea out there is that like, oh, when I get married, everything's going to be great. Right. Like, like I'll, I'll never feel lonely again. That's not true. Right. Like that really starts like with you and like taking accountability for, for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, again, spot on with everything like I've ever found in my life to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you think pornography affects Mm. that? Yeah. One of the tricky things about pornography is typically, um, typically when someone is struggling with pornography, they were exposed to it at a pretty young age, Mm. at a age, at an age where they're not Mm. understanding, um, of what their sexuality is or what sex is. And so pornography, pornography becomes their template for what healthy sexuality or what sex is. So if I, let's say, I was exposed to pornography when I was 10 years old, um, I obviously don't understand what sex is or what healthy sexuality is, but I'm exposed when I'm 10, and then I'm 11, and then I'm 12, and I'm still looking at pornography. I'm starting, I'm starting to develop this sexual template. And so let's say that now I'm 16, and I'm alone with a guy and we're sitting there watching a movie and it's dark, my template kicks in and I think, oh, I know what we do here. Because this is what pornography has taught me. This is my template. It's like a script. I know what my line is. I know what his line is. And this is how it's going to happen. So when he's saying no, what he really mean, what he's really saying is try harder. Mm-hmm. When he's not saying anything, what he's saying is yes. Or this is what I'm supposed to do now and this is how he's going to respond. So pornography is creating this template or this script for, for all of these people. And essentially we're just all reading lines. When really it's not what healthy sexuality is at all. Yeah. Wow. Beautifully said. Yeah. yeah I think that's one of the main harms of pornography is that it teaches us, well, it miseducates us mm-hmm. on on what sex is, on what our what relationships are with our sexual partner, it it's just a bad way to well express sexual sexuality because well from from what I can tell it's all about consumption. How can I consume this other person instead of sharing something beautiful with them? Mm. What do you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, so. If we're talking about a sexual relationship or sex, that sex is supposed to be something, and sex is supposed to be something that we share, but pornography teaches it's something that we take. So rather than my sexuality is something that I own and I choose who I share it with, pornography teaches your sexuality actually belongs to me and I choose when I take it. And I think especially for women, um, even if they're not being pornography, there's still this pornography culture where 
I, as a woman, my sexuality does not belong to me. It belongs to him, and it's his to take when he wants. And he's believing the same thing, which is her sexuality belongs to me, and I take when I want. So it's really being able to separate this idea that my sexuality belongs to me. I'm a sexual being, and I, and I, and I choose when I share that. I choose if and when I want to share that. I don't owe him anything. So when we're looking at stats, we know that there's lots of men who are exposed to pornography and who use it. There's also a lot of women, mm -hmm. but generally it's more men, right? So more men seem to have that kind of script uh, going on and, and either subconsciously or consciously about, about this sexuality. Yeah, I think, um, I think w like even if someone never looks at pornography, like this, they, let's say they've never even seen what pornography is this pornography culture is still deeply impacting them like the way that we we culturally throughout move throughout our lives is 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 the fact that this is his to take if that makes sense or this is mine to take i feel like that's even it's not even just in pornography i feel like that's in media sure right like, like but even common media that that's sometimes the message but i would say that the 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 veins and the blood flow of that is pornography yeah you know if pornography didn't exist i don't know i don't know if it would if it would be flowing as as freely yeah. as it does yeah interesting so how as a young adult like how should we navigate creating healthy sexuality mm -hmm. um in in our dating relationships specifically what do you think about that yeah. Um, I think, I think the first thing is owning your own sexuality. Mm. And, um, I, th I think maybe even before you can own it, it's, it's reclaiming that. I mean, this is already yours, but most of us don't claim it. So learning to claim that sexuality, understanding that part of you and choosing when you do and you don't, you don't share it. I think that's awesome. Yeah. How is how is this issue and, and everything that you know about, how has that affected your dating mm -hmm. experience? Has it? Well, so that's yeah. actually interesting because most people know what I do. And so typically pornography comes up very early on. And um, I actually have not really had too much of an issue because... I think I think part of it's I'm under the assumption that most people have some experience with pornography, and while that may seem dismal to some, to me it's actually quite liberating to just assume that pornography is going to be a part of that relationship, and to setting my own expectations. So, the fact that he's struggling with pornography, and maybe he's not currently, but let's say that he is, um, if he's or she or she. That's true. Let's say that my partner says that they're struggling with pornography. Um, honestly, my attitude is kind of like, wow, okay, so how can I, how can I best support you? And, and I really work hard to separate it from me. Like, this is your thing, and I want to support you in any way I can, but I'm not, this is not going to be, this is not my experience. This is not my my not part of my identity it doesn't reflect anything on me but i want to be supportive of you so i think um i th i think it's just not not taking it as part of your own sexuality 
I think that's really important. I think it's sometimes very hard to do that. Right. Just especially when you care about someone a lot and you feel close to them. Mm. Um, do you have any like suggestions as to how to, anything that's helped you to, to separate that and to separate maybe like those reactive emotions? <laughs> yeah. Know? So I think, um, I, I work with a lot of, I work with a lot of women, uh, who have found out that their husbands are struggling with pornography and you, and for most of them it's, but they've been married for, you know, X amount of years and then they find out. So for all of them, they all have said that the issue for them is not the pornography. It's the lying. I've been married to you for 10 years and you've been lying to me for 10 years about pornography. So I think this, I I think that's where the betrayal comes in and that's where the hurt comes in is not necessarily the pornography, although that's not ideal. The hurt and the betrayal comes from the lying and the dishonesty. So I, I really think it's really important at the beginning of whatever type of relationship you have is to be open and honest about, about pornography and, um, and and the, and I think the tricky thing is, is we think like, oh, if I ask him or her about pornography and they tell me, then I can work. Th- I think you have to be prepared for their answer. Mm-hmm. And that if the answer is yes, how are you going to respond? And to know that it's probably going to bring up something for you. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. It's something I like the emotional context is how I like to view that. Mm-hmm. It's just like recognizing that like, because I've been impacted deeply from like my childhood, like mm-hmm. it was going to be a very emotionally charged thing for me. And yeah. I, I would need to give myself and him space. Yeah. Like no matter what that conversation looked like or the outcome, because it's something that I've already been impacted so much by. And I think, I think what could be really powerful is going into this conversation, um, with the expectation that you're going to have to do work on yourself. So if they say, yes, I have struggled with pornography, likely that's going to bring up a reaction for you. So rather than thinking, wow, I feel X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to put this on him. This is his fault or her fault that I feel this way. Thinking, wow, I'm feeling really betrayed or I'm feeling really hurt. Why? I really like what you said about in dating, it's really freeing if we just understand that we live in a time when Pornography is just so rampant that most of us have had some type of exposure to it and realizing that we need to talk about it in dating relationships with a mindset of it. This could very well be something that we have to work on together mm-hmm. or something that my partner might have experienced or struggled with. And I think having that mindset, like you said, of being prepared of how will I respond and how will I support and and. Uh, have my emotional boundaries mm-hmm. on this is very important in order to have a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with that person. And I think, um, I think what what could be really healthy is, let's say that your partner discloses to you that they've struggled with pornography, that you figure out what your boundaries are surrounding that. So if your boundary is okay, I need you to be honest with me when you view pornography. And when you make that choice to view pornography, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to have to draw the boundary that you and I are not going to X, Y, and Z. Like I'm, I'm not going to want to be in that space with you for a while, or I'm not going to want you to kiss me. 
like that choice view pornography is yours. That's your choice. But th- I need to draw boundaries to keep myself safe. So then rather than taking on his experience of, um, well, I, I think, I think what I'm trying to say is not playing victim to it, mm-hmm. but being like, okay, so that was your choice. I'm putting these boundaries in place and this is my choice. Yeah. I, I really love how you focus on just like taking accountability and owning like your power mm-hmm. for lack of a better way of saying that. I think often in the culture of today and especially in regards to, to sexuality, we so often want to slide into that victim role, um, like on every level. Sure. And, and the more, the more we take accountability and, and take over like our choices and how they, they impact us. I think that brings more power and, and choice every step of the way. Yeah. Rather than yeah. And I think, and I'm going to say this very carefully because I know, um, it's, it's really easy to fall into that victim mindset for both sides, for someone who struggles with pornography and for someone who found out that their partner struggles with pornography. Uh, pl- being a victim and this I am a victim and now this is part of my identity, that's safe because then I don't have to look at my own issues. Um, that's also safe because I have something else to blame. But really there's no growth there and neither of you are going to progress. So if, if there's this victim mentality, there's going to be no change. However, if, if this mindset changes to, wow, I struggle with pornography or I am feeling feelings of betrayal, those are completely warranted feelings. Absolutely. But I'm feeling feelings of betrayal. Why and what am I going to do about that? Yeah. Rather than waving the victim flag. I just seriously want to be waving the amen flag (laughs) like I think you have have summarized that so beautifully and and I love how respectful you were about just like explaining that victim and and that victim mentality because it's so true like and it's so easy to be there and I find myself wanting to be there all the time yeah it's so much easier to be there rather than having to look at my stuff in everyday situations but especially in like these like really hard sensitive emotionally charged situations so an important aspect about healthy sexuality is understanding it within ourselves. How does someone who doesn't have a therapist to guide them through that, how does that person you know, come to an understanding of their own sexuality and be able to express it without somebody helping to guide them? Yeah, I think one of the... Um... One of the cool, I don't know how else to say this other than I'm going to reframe pornography a little bit here because pornography, I guess it can be a catalyst for change. So I think someone who is wanting to work on this on their own, maybe the first thing that needs to happen is a changed mindset of this is something that I need to beat. This is something I don't like about myself to this is an opportunity to be able to understand my sexuality in a healthy way. And that takes, um, that 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 can take a lot of a lot of vulnerability and, and courage to do. I think to go on this exploration of what healthy sexuality is, um, and and what it means to you. I think. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of books out there that you can read, um, but I think one of the most powerful questions that you can ask yourself, and you can really only ask it if you're willing to hear your own answer, is why. 
Why is pornography a part of my life? Why is this um, something I've been struggling with for all these years? Um, and what do I need to do to change that? And I think also, um, do I really want to change? Am I really wanting healthy sexuality or am I just doing this because my girlfriend doesn't like that I look at porn? <laughs> um, is this something I'm really wanting? So I think, I think it just, it's, it starts with a lot of self-reflection, a lot of honesty and some kind of come to Jesus moments. Mm-hmm. All right. In Reach 10, we talk a lot about how we can reach out to others if we personally struggle with pornography, mm-hmm. how we talk about that, how we bring it up in order to get help. Um, like for me, when I when I shared my story, I mentioned this. I, I talked to my parents first to get mm-hmm. help because I couldn't get out of it on my own. Um, how, how would you say a person who struggles with pornography can can get help out of it once again, as if they didn't have a therapist, but but some, maybe a support can start building a support system of people in order to to get out of that. Mm. The first step, especially if no one really knows, is to be wise about who you tell, um, about who you who you share, who you first share these experiences with, um, and recognize that probably it's going to bring things up for that person. Um, being prepared for one of their reactions and recognizing this is something that I, that, that um, maybe has been brought up because of me, but I did not cause this. And um, I, yeah, just, uh, I think, I think a lot of bravery. Um, one of the interesting things about when we use the word vulnerability, which I'm going to use here, I think we often mix up vulnerability and transparency. Transparency is when I share things about myself, but I'm not willing to allow it to be spoken to. I don't give it space. Well, I think it's more transparency is when I share something about myself, but I'm trying to manage how they are receiving it or how they're going to respond. So I struggle with pornography, but A, B, and C. Or I struggle with pornography, but this, or and this. Um, vulnerability is when you just say it how it is and you don't try to, to manage their response or the way that they view you. And that you takes just let courage. It, let it fill the space for right. a moment. Right. Let it kind of sink in, soak, soak in. Yeah. Not try to control uh-huh. the conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's so so a transparent conversation about pornography might be something like, hey, I um, currently struggle with pornography, but I'm working with my, I'm working with a therapist, or I'm working with my bishop, and um, I just wanted you to know. That would be a very transparent experience. Uh, a, a vulnerable experience would be, I am struggling with pornography. I am working with a bishop. I am working with a therapist. Um, this is really hard and I don't know if I can do this. Right. That's sharing That's a feeling. vulnerable experience and I'm not trying to control how that person sees me. Right. They may receive it positively. They may receive it negatively. I don't know, but I'm being vulnerable. So it's, it's sharing a, a truly vulnerable thing about yourself. Um, it's like, it's like we're all a house and transparency is letting people see in through the window. But vulnerability is is taking a step outside. 
walking outside of your house. Hmm. I like that a lot, that um, the idea that vulnerability is, is sharing true feelings or emotions about a certain thing that you're struggling with, not just sharing what you're struggling with or mm-hmm. how you're doing it. It's sharing what you're actually feeling regarding it and letting someone just kind of hold that for a moment and not controlling how how they will respond. Mm-hmm. So when you first started out on this this journey to advocate against pornography, you found that there were a lot of people your age, young adults, that didn't want to talk about it. Have you seen a change or a shift um, in culture yet? Or have you seen mm-hmm. a change within your own life um, as you have been more uh, prominent figure in this discussion because people know that do you feel like you do have better conversations with people now regarding that issue or is it still uh, really hard to talk about it with certain people because they're just not willing to mm. yeah I've actually I've, I've been thinking of, I've been reflecting on that um, if, I, if I feel like things are changing and I don't I don't know I, I think the only thing I can really speak to is that I have changed. That, um, and 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 again, maybe some of it's because this is what uh, this is what I work with all day, every day. So this is my world in a lot of ways. But it, I've changed the way that I move throughout this space. So rather than looking at it and thinking. I'm afraid to approach, I'm afraid to go in, but I'm going to try to kind of talk about it, but I'm not going to like exhale and breathe in this air. Um, again, it's this feeling that everyone's holding their breath, but um, I, I I don't know. I've allowed myself to breathe. And when people see you breathing, they want to breathe too. And a lot of times when they're watching you, you talk about it and you... Um, and allowing space for that that vulnerability and um, and they can truly feel that from you they'll start breathing with you always and it's a really beautiful thing to be a part of when you know that the space around you is a space where people can breathe when it comes to talking about pornography I love that I think it it kind of shows that uh, courage is contagious right Mm -hmm. when we're able to just uh, bring up these conversations with our roommates, with our family members, with people that we love. We can start to show them that, oh, this is this actually isn't very harmful to talk about. This, these things are, are okay. And we can even bring in our own stories and our own feelings, our actual vulnerability and not just transparency. I think in that way we can really allow others to see inside of us and we can see inside of them establish that real intimacy and feel fill our fill our emotion our intimacy cups as as you were saying as we're not afraid to or as we push through discomfort or push through fear regarding uh these subjects so i'm really grateful for your example in that way rachel that you have been such a powerhouse advocate for for these subjects uh, you go in with with great courage and, and gusto, and it, it teaches many people that they can they can do the same, and that they can actually progress regarding their their sexuality and progress 
in their life in, in lots of different ways by being able to be open and, and talk about things that they really feel or really care about. Yeah, I, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking about, um, I had, so I had this experience where I was working with this young man who, um, pornography had been a massive part of his life for a long time and he was engaged and, um, uh, had like recently had, he had cheated on his fiance, but wasn't sure how to navigate that space and everything. And so, so I, I had him, um, do an exercise where we took a piece of paper and folded it into thirds. And I told him to, um, to on the, on the outside, draw a picture of what other people see. So like this, when they first meet him, what do they see? Who do they see? And he could draw pictures or symbols or just color or whatever he wanted to do. And then open up on the inside and whatever it was on the inside, show what or somehow draw or artistically create what is really on the inside, what he feels like is there. And um, I don't normally do this, but for some reason with him, I decided to do this with him about myself. So we both folded our papers and we both started to draw. And... I drew my outside and I drew my inside and he did the same and we shared with each other and you know looking at his outside it was he's like well I'm elders quorum president and I um you know people see me and they think I'm really well put together I'm in the accounting program you know he's sharing all these things about himself but on the inside and he opened it up and it was um he had used all these like black and and it was just kind of like this like tormented picture well what was interesting is when I opened mine ours were almost exactly the same and looking at our two pictures was a really impactful moment for me because I realized that even though I don't struggle with pornography we are the same where we are we are both we we both have fears we both have insecurities we both have worries and we're just trying to deal with it in the best way that we can And I think for a long time, I thought my role was to talk about pornography and to bring light. And I was going to help people who had, who were struggling and I was going to carry them across the finish line. But really what's happening is we're all hobbling across the finish line together and we need each other. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with pornography. It doesn't matter how you're dealing with your issues. We all have we all have things we're trying to work through and we all have ways, different ways that we're trying to work through them. And um, so I feel really honored to be a part of this, to be a part of um, working with, with people who are struggling with pornography and the bravery that it takes to, to, to actually work through that. Um, it's, a, it's a really... I feel really honored to be able to do that. So it's a really amazing thing to watch. That's a beautiful idea that you have come to understand is that really we're we're all in this together, hobbling through the finish line, Mm -hmm. trying to support each other along the way. And we all have our issues and things that we're dealing with on the inside. And we're, we're all human. We're all imperfect. And I, I believe that that is a very important message for us all to understand so that we can see each other in that way, that everybody we come across has that tormented inside, that uh, we even have that inside ourselves, and we can never look at other people as projects or as things to fix, but simply people to be with mm-hmm. and support and, and love. 
Rachel, thank you so much. This has been an awesome opportunity to hear from you and learn about your experiences and involvement. You're just going to continue to do wonderful things in your practice and with fighting the new drug and everything else that you do. So, so happy you're you're involved in this. Uh, you're so voiced and and can can just add so much good to this discussion. So thanks for all your work and thanks for being here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach Ten. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with ten people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Learn more on our website at reach10.org or follow our social media. We want our listeners to know that we share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10 and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard in this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.